uh, to go. There we go. I forgot about that. They're like, hata, hata. I know. They're like, what's wrong? It's not on. Oh, yes. But my wife and I, we had the opportunity uh, to go down to Forest Glen, our youth camps, uh, and spend a great time with over 350 of your kids. Uh, we had about 200 of them uh, on the middle school side, and that's where I had the opportunity to serve. And over 150 on the elementary side, uh, where my wife had the opportunity to be a counselor. And if you don't know what's happening in that camp, imagine second graders away from their mommy and daddy for five days, having to take showers, having to wake up, having to eat food, having to live life without mommy and daddy. That's camp. That's camp. And I applaud the people that go, like my wife, uh, to serve that age, because that's the age that you're like, man, I need the grace. I need the grace from God, and I need it in a package deal with dollars represented behind it. But uh, we'll show a couple pictures here. Uh, we had many of our children uh, from the east that went. This is on the elementary side. Uh, so we got this picture here, uh, this here. This is during their meal times. Uh, so the, the kids are, are eating vegetables during this time. They're drinking water to stay hydrated and not just soda. Uh, so they are definitely being taken care of. And then this next uh, set of pictures uh, this is here on the, on the side of, that I was on, it, on uh, the 6th through 8th grade side. And so just, just an awesome time. An awesome time. You got Chris Archie there. You got uh, my little niece there uh, along with uh, a, a few other campers uh, there. And this here are all the adults that served for the preteen camp. So we had 40, over 40 adults serving, amen. I want to pause here for a second, because one thing that I noticed, I mean, we had 40 adults for about 200 kids. But the awesome thing, imagine living life where you had 39 other advisors on how to reach a certain demographic of kid. Where you have, we had anywhere from 19-year-olds that was just out of high school uh, to those that are old enough to be grandparents. All of us trying to really embrace and wrap our arms around the next generation. And next year, we're going to keep doing camp until Jesus come back. And I know some of you guys are thinking, man, I need to get out there next year. It might not be elementary, or it might be elementary, because I love kids, whatever the case may be. But I'm going to implore to you right now, Save, save a week of vacation, because what better, what better way to use your time than to invest into the future, to be able to invest into the next generation? If you're thinking about Caitlin, uh, she was a camper back when my wife and I served in HYC, uh, back in the Oklahoma, Kansas, Missouri. We used to have camps together, and she was a teenager back then, and now, by herself, she's moving to China. That's what happens as we get older, right? Those that are younger are getting responsible, and they're doing things that we can't even imagine, because in my mind, she's still 16 years old. But that's not the case anymore. But as we continue to look through the pictures here, 
great time. Uh, my wife had, it was a lot of fun during the time. My wife, she participated in something on the elementary side they call messy games. So she got chocolate and what was that? Whipped cream, marshmallow, whipped cream all on her face. No, this wasn't a, a shaving accident. No, it was messy games. Uh, and then uh, the other picture on the, uh, the bottom left or bottom right there for you, uh, we had a game where we had tribes. You know, we broke the kids up into tribes, and they had to canoe their way all the way on one side of the lake. And on the side that they had to turn around, you had about 150 kids lined up to shoot you with water balloons. <laughs> Doesn't that sound fun and humbling at the same time? And so, I mean, it's just a great opportunity uh, for the kids to have fun, uh, to get messy, uh, to get pelted in the head with water balloons in the name of Jesus. Uh, it's just one of those great times. But one of the other things as we continue to go on the slides is just the friendships that are being built during this time. Getting to know other, you know, third graders or fourth graders or fifth graders, or seventh graders, eighth graders, just other peers that under the, the same peer pressure as our children, and they're be, being able to gain these relationships that they have 10, 20, 30 years down the line. Because I remember the first camp I ever went to, I was 13 years old, 25 years ago. And it's still people that I know from that camp that we still are friends to this day. Our children, they're going to have that opportunity. They're not going to be on an island uh, in their elementaries or in their preschools and their high schools because they're going to have relationships that they're going to be able to tap into for the rest of their lives. That's what we have with camp. That's why we continue to invest. That's why we give scholarships for our youth to go if they can't afford it because this is something that's building for God's kingdom and his future. Amen? Amen. But the last uh, pair of pictures that we'll share here is the praise and the praying that they get from Monday to Saturday. How many kids do you know hear two Bible lessons a day, sing about ten songs to God every single day, have discipleship groups where they're sharing about life and, the, and their struggles, their real seventh grade struggles, right? Being able to, to get that for five days without video games, without Netflix, without Hulu, without Facebook, without Snapchat, without all these different things, they get the focus on God. That's why... All around the world, our churches are investing into youth camp. Because you don't get that. I know when my kids are home, we do our best to do devotionals with them and, and, and lead a, a life to point them to Jesus. But they're not getting camp when they come home. And what I want to talk about today is how can we make their experience for these last five days for them to come home and then not come back to a valley, right, where they come back into the hustle and bustle of life, and they're like, man, how can I do this? How can I follow God? How can we learn to walk with God 
when I have all these things happening. And so my, my sermon title is simply put, Next Generation. Because all through the Bible, you see how important it is not to just be an example in this generation that we're in, but to really pave the path for that next generation of, of children, of future adults. And how we ended up doing it at camp, uh, like uh, we have here, we use the Marvel theme, the Marvelous theme, and we ended up using the Infinity Stones. Anybody know about the Infinity Stones? We got, we got a few. Hey, man, come on. He said, yeah, baby. I got one on my belt buckle right here, <laughs> you know. So what we ended up doing is we took the Infinity Stones and we had lessons based on that. So we had the Space Stone, talked about how God created the world out of nothing so that we are here today. And really important with the children that each and every one of you guys were made by God. No matter how tall or short, how thin, how wide, how dark, how light you are, God made you for a purpose. And it was cool because when we ended, one of the kids, one of the uh, seventh graders, uh, he went up, we had some time of sharing, you know, for the sixth, seventh, and eighth graders. And this kid, listen to this. He was born, uh, I guess what, 12 years ago, and he was born prematurely. And they didn't think he was going to live past two years of age. And even if he were to live, they thought he was going to have a lot of social and mental setbacks. And as this kid came up there to share, you know, he was sharing about the, uh, the space stone and creation, how God created him. And he was like, you know what? You know, I'm here in seventh grade, and I'm one of the smartest ki kids in my class. And then he had the caveat in math. <laughs> <laughs> and this kid, him and his brother, they have a business of making cakes together and selling cakes as seventh graders. And so being able to hear that and connect that with the creation and how we never know what God is going to do. We just got to hold on to the rod and make sure we're following him. And then we moved on to the, uh, the mind stone, the reality stone, the mind stone. It really focused on grace and what grace uh, is and how grace is. It's not just a gift, but it's a gift that continues to give. And not only is it a gift that continues to give, it's a gift in Jesus that we should follow as well, which we'll talk about uh, in a little bit more. But the reality stone was about sin. Because if you guys could turn to First uh, John chapter 2, I want to start in with this, because sin and this world, that's reality, right? We're dealing with sin daily. We're dealing with, 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 with squabbles and, and anger and different things. And our children, they're not shielded from those things. I mean, you've heard in the news the drama that happens in schools. You hear, you hear what's going on. You hear about kids that are 10, 11, 12 years old having so much rage, so much anger in their hearts and their minds that they do things that when we were children, were unthinkable. And here in 1 John chapter 2, starting in verse 15, it says, do not love the world or anything in the world. 
If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is what? Not in them. For everything in the world, and he kind of breaks it down to what this world vision in his mind is, the, the author. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life comes not from the Father, but from the world. Verse 17, the world and its desires, they will pass away. But whoever does the will of God will what? Live forever. What we have the opportunity to do at these camps, at these times, is really lay the foundation, help pave the path. Because we have not only kids of members of our congregation, but those kids are bringing their friends. They're inviting people that are on their soccer teams. They're on their football teams. They're not having family devotionals. They're not having times like we're having right now in God's word. So they have the world surrounding them. And guess what? That's normal for them. This is abnormal. Praising God is abnormal for them. Reading their Bible is abnormal for them. Believing in the Jesus that died some 2,000 years ago and now reigns in heaven with God, that's abnormal for them. So we get an opportunity to help pave a way of what our God truly intended for each and every one of these youth. Because very truly, the world will pass away sometime. Maybe our lifetime, it may not be. But we have a duty to our next generation, right? We have a duty to help them understand what eternal life is and not just living for how many likes you get on Facebook. Not just living for how many comments you get on what you're dressed in for that day. Because that's what many of our kids and adults, frankly, are living for, right? When is it a good, a good day? A good day is when I make a comment and I have at least 15 people that make a comment. Okay, that's a good day. What's a bad day? I only got two comments and a thumbs up. That's it. So my day is bad now because of why? Because my world is this corner world. It's not Jesus. It's not faith. It's not mercy. It's not grace. It's what we have in this life. And look at verse 16. It says, for everything in the, in the world. And listen to the, these three items. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. You think about those big three. Because the flesh is strong, right? And it continues to grow. I mean, because 6th through 7th or 6th, 7th, 8th grade, what's happening during those times? Puberty, right. They're changing. They're developing. Their mind is like, I don't even know if it's really there yet. I'm not sure what's happening. But during that time, they're like, okay, you know, you're sitting down with the boy. Okay, okay, why did you snap little Jimmy in the eye with your bandana? I don't know. And me and the other directors, we like, I think he's telling the truth. <laughs> I think he really has no idea on why he did that. He just got to chalk it up to foolishness, right? But we're still trying to help them to get past foolishness. 
because the flesh, the lust of the eyes, I mean, they start looking at girls and guys much differently. It was funny. We had a rule of three there at camp. So you can't go anywhere by yourself. You need to go in a rule of three. So we're having lessons, and for some reason, anytime preaching happened, people need to use a restroom <laughs> when you're sixth, seventh, and eighth grade. Like clockwork, like a revolving door. But this is what ended up happening during that time. You had a group of boys go to go use the restroom. What do you think happened three seconds later? A group of girls <laughs> right there behind them. You know, just, oh, that's little Jimmy, you know. <laughs> and that's what you got to deal with because the lust of the eyes were, it's real during that time. I mean, you guys could probably remember during that time. It was a crazy time. Some of us are trying to forget that time, right? It's like, hey, I, the counseling has helped me out. I ain't going back there anymore, right? But this is what this next generation is dealing with. They're, they're dealing with what their eyes are seeing. They're dealing with what their bodies are feeling, and the world is telling them that, hey, just get what you feel like getting. Your desires is going to be your compass, not the word of God. So being able to help debunk that for our children and help them to really have their foundation on God and seeing that relationships are so much more important than just fulfilling your own desires. But then it doesn't stop. It talks about the pride of life. And one of the, one of the um, translations, you know, because that's the, the NIV uh, 2011 as far as within that, but the, one of the translations says, the boasting of what he has and does. The boasting. That no, God didn't create me to be great. I worked hard to be great. And it's no connection. Because, yes, it's hard work involved. But imagine if you was born a paraplegic and you can't move. So how am I going to be a great athlete? Or how am I going to be some of the great things that these kids aspire for? They get to see that boasting. Boasting is taking your eyes off the resource. God. Because God has given him, just like the little boy shared, the seventh grade boy that was smart in math, he was able to realize that God made it possible for him. God made it possible for him to be where he is. God gave him the parents to give him the opportunity to be at camp to even realize what God has done in his life. And so now these children are coming home, and we want to keep the momentum going, right? We want to continue to pour into these children. We want to continue to help them to overcome sin. We want to engage with our 7th and 8th graders. Not just because they're your kids, but because they're within our family. Amen? You know, I'm looking forward to the fellowship breaks where the singles are going over and talking with the teenagers. Where some of the marrieds are going over. It may not be your kid. And you may not know what Fortnite is which I learned a lot about during this week, which is a video game that the, that the young kids are playing. You may not know about these different things, but you can ask about it. I gave you a freebie, right? Fortnite. There you go. Ask them about that and see if they shut up, right? <laughs> but just looking for opportunity. These fellowship breaks, it's just not a, a chance to go get some water or 
see if there's any donuts back there. You know, it's, it's an opportunity because the donuts are not there. They're not there, okay? It's an opportunity for us to continue to, continue to connect. And that's one thing I love about our congregation. We love the fellowship. We love it. It's, it's been many a time where I just have to kick people out. I'm like, y'all got, y'all got to go. The AC bill is high because of you. I'm still cooling you down, right? But using that opportunity to help this new generation out, to help them develop, because the reality, the reality is that sin is crouching at their door. And one of the other things, when it comes about the reality of sin, this is, this is one that we, we spent some time on in camp. And I want to spend a little time on here because I think we can fall into the, the same trap is that God created us for a purpose. He created us to have fellowship and to worship him. But then we try to live outside of what we created for. And one of the things that we talked about, you know, you got this guitar here, right? The camera, this is yours, right? This guitar was created for a purpose, to make music. But what if... This guitar being the, the smart instrument that it is, wiser than even its creator and crafter, says, no, I'm not going to be a guitar. I'm going to be a sledgehammer. That's what I want to be. Camera, that's what I want to be. I know you created me for this to make melodies, but I want to be a sledgehammer. Look how big this bottom part is. I could probably do some damage. What are the, we're not going to do any damage, right? There's no Aerosmith time or whoever that was. But you imagine that in our lives. God created us to praise him. God created us to have a relationship with him and have a relationship with his being. But then we say, no, God, I know you created me for this, but I want to do this. Because I remember as a teenager thinking that, you know what? Why become a disciple of Jesus now when I can send it up and then become a disciple later on? I'll just wait till I'm married. Then I'll stop. But then that turns in, okay, I'll just wait till I have kids. Then I'll start really being serious about my relationship with God. Then you have kids, you're like, okay, let's wait till they graduate. Graduate high school, let's graduate college. You're like, well, let's wait till we have grandkids. And we continue to push and push and push. Let me tell you this, or let me ask you this. If this guitar operated like a sledgehammer, what do you think it's going to be like for that guitar in a week? In a year. In five years. In 10 years. In 20 years. It's going to be smashed. It's going to be broken. It's not going to be able to operate like God created or like the creator of this guitar crafted it for. And we really want to implore to those kids, and I want to implore to you guys now, is that trying to operate outside of God's plan and then come back to it later, it's going to be damaged involved. And it's going to be much tougher, and I told those children there, 
it's much better for you to skip all the damage or a majority of the damage because we still going to have some damage, right? Skip it now while you're young as opposed to trying to repent when you're 40, when you're 45, when you're 50. By the grace of God, that still happens, amen? People repent all the way up to the deathbed. But they, like this guitar, we want to help them understand if you try to operate outside of your purpose, there will be damage. And we had 40-some-odd folks there, adults, to help drive that home for those children. And then we talked about grace. Because grace is awesome, amen? amen? I mean, Jesus, what he's done for us, God sacrificing his son so that we can be here, so that we can have forgiveness, is awesome. But here in Titus chapter 2, verse 11, one of the things that we really wanted to help the children with is that a lot of them don't want to become disciples at a young age because they think they're not good enough yet. They think it like, okay, I don't have it all together yet, so how am I going to be a disciple when I still struggle with this? I still struggle with that. And the truth is that we're never going to be good enough, right? That's where Jesus comes into the picture. He, he creates that, and he allows that to happen. But here in Titus chapter 2, verse 11, it says, For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. It teaches us, this grace, it teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. It says, for the grace of God brings us salvation. And this grace of God teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions. And so we was helping the children to see that the grace of God is you don't get good enough so that you can accept grace. You use grace as your teacher. You use grace as your discipler, as your leader, as Jesus, what he meant for his life to be. One where we follow him and we learn how to overcome our worldly passions, right? And really helping our children to see is that, okay, it's, it's not about perfection. Let Jesus worry about making you perfect. Let God do that. Our job is to be next to the one, be next to Jesus. When you think about this, you think about your boss. You know, it might be your wife, it might be a, a, a boss at work, I mean, whoever. Let's, let's put somebody in your mind, right? When you're close to your boss, it's certain, certain perks that come with it, right? It's just certain things that you get that you don't get when it's just you. So if your boss says, hey, Bethany, let's go to lunch. And you normally have an hour for lunch. And the boss says, okay, we're going to have lunch for an hour and a half. You're like, I'm good because I'm with the boss, right? I'm good. If it was just me and Jonathan, you're like, all right, well, we need to get back, bro. You know, you're not the boss yet. But we're really helping the kids is that when you're close to Jesus, there are benefits that happen. When you're hanging out with Jesus, it's not just longer lunches, right? You know, you, you get mercy. 
you get grace. You learn how to overcome tough relationships. You learn how to rely on God, even when everything about you is telling you to stop and to not to go anymore, not to run the race. Being with Jesus is a game changer. And that's the thing that we took away just from that, that whole week with the kids is that it's not about being perfect. It's about having a relationship and walking with Jesus. Because long as you just continue to move, long as you continue to go, we will learn from Jesus. Amen? We're going to learn what it is to overcome because he overcame. This next generation, they're relying on us to be the example that Paul talked about in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, where he said, follow me as I follow Christ. It's not just about us and God. It's us, God, and his community. And I'm looking forward to just more good news about people truly embracing our youth. You know, it's great to see uh, Debs and Stever do what they do, working with our teenagers, investing into those relationships. It's great to see, you know, I think about the Markowitz Bible Talk with the Aguilars and the Pierces and, and the Kinagombas and, and that group, how they're using the community to pour into the next generation. So my question for us is what's, what's the example? Are you, are you intentionally thinking about the example that you're setting? Are you intentionally thinking about how you come across with your words? Are you intentionally thinking about what's your attitude like even when you come to worship God? You know, am I one that embraces relationships or my one like, hey, don't talk to me. Not today, bro. Sis, no. I didn't have my cup of coffee and they don't have donuts again. <laughs> right? You know, where are we at? Are we paying attention, especially those that are disciples of Jesus, are we paying attention to the aroma that we're giving off? Do we pay attention to that? Are we always striving? I want to smile, I want to embrace, I want to meet somebody new. And I'm very happy today because after service today, we got somebody who wants to take it higher in her walk. We got Miss Lisa Inslee who's going to get baptized after service today. So she heard the call, she listened to it, and she's following it. And it's great to have her parents here who got restored back to God's kingdom a couple years ago. So really trying to lay that foundation for their children. Because one thing that I am very certain of is that every single one of our children are watching what you guys are doing. They're watching. Now, the awesome thing is that you guys are great examples. So they're learning some good things, amen. But unfortunately, they're watching when we're not on our best as well. So that forgiveness thing, we got to pull that card fairly often and ask for it when we're not on our best. To teach them that this is what a walk with God looks like. 
It's not perfection, but it's being intentional. Because as we follow Christ, we want to really lay the foundation for them. I close out with these, these pictures. These pictures at camp of the next generation. These are the men and the women that's going to do the things that you are doing right now. Lead the small groups that you're leading right now. Preach the word. Oversee kids' kingdom. They're going to be the ones that's going to be doing what Gordon does in teaching one day. We have a responsibility. We have a privilege. And I definitely say it's a privilege in being able to show them the impact that Christ has made in our life. So that when they come to that point where they choose faith or not, they say it's a no-brainer. What I see from Ms. Deidre, what I see from Mr. Adam, what I see from Mr. Garrett, I want with what they have. And we let them know that the only way you can have that is through Jesus. Amen. So as we take the bread and the juice during this time, Let's truly think about the example that we're setting. And whatever that example we're setting for the next generation is, let's take it higher. Because God will definitely get the glory. And he will give us the strength that we need to live the lives to really help our next generation out. Amen? Let's go to God in prayer.